Hi, I'm Ross Brown. Uh, I work for the Southwest Cyber Resilience Centre. Welcome to our uh, first and inaugural po podcast, which is entitled Three Easy Things to Do uh, That You Can Get Safer Online. Um, if I pass you over to our director, Mark Moore. Oh, I think this is a point where I do an intro, isn't it? Hello, everybody. Being really careful not to say good morning, because it might be the afternoon. That's the danger of podcasting, isn't it? Right. What we're going to do is we're going to talk to you uh, about, as I say, three things uh, that are going to keep you safer uh, on or you and your business safer online. So the first thing, uh, our first topic that I want to cover uh, on this podcast is 2FA or two-factor authentication. So what does that actually mean and what does it entail? Well, setting up 2FA can help um, protect your online accounts, even if your password is stolen. So what is two-factor authentication then, or 2FA? Two-factor authentication, often shortened to 2FA, provides a way of double-checking uh, that you really are the person you're claiming to be when you're using online services such as banking, email, or social media. Uh, and it's available on most of the major online services. When setting up 2FA, the service will ask you to provide a second factor, which is something that you and only you can access. And this could be a code that's sent to you by text or that is created by an app. All right then, so why should I use 2FA? Well, passwords can be stolen by cyber criminals, potentially giving them access to your online accounts. However, accounts that have been set up to use 2FA will require an extra check. So even if, if a criminal knows your password, they won't be able to access your accounts. So how do I set up 2FA then? Well, some online services will already have 2FA switched on. However, most don't, so you'll need to switch it on yourself to give extra protection uh, to your other online accounts, such as email, social media, and cloud storage. If available, the option to switch on 2FA is usually found in the security settings of your account, where it also may be called two-step verification. So then what are the different types of 2FA? Well, when 2FA is switched on, you'll be asked to provide a second factor in order to access your account. Uh, and there's a couple of types uh, of second factor available. The first one is text messages, uh, and most services tend to offer 2FA over text message by default. During setup, you'll pro you provide your phone number uh, and the service will send you a message containing the code to use. Some services can also send a code using a voice message if you find that easier. Authenticator apps uh, on your smartphone or tablet are the main alternative to text messages. Uh, for example, Google Authenticator and Microsoft Authenticator um, are examples of this type of app. Uh, once you've installed one, you can use the same app when setting up 2FA on any of the other accounts that you use. Uh, these apps offer a lot of advantages over text messages such as not needing a mobile signal or having to wait uh, for a text message to arrive. Okay, so do I have to use 2FA every time I access a service? No, is the short answer. So once set up, you should only be asked for it when you're doing something where it would really matter if it was a cyber criminal rather than you. Uh, these are usually things like setting up new types of um, uh, bank accounts, uh, logging into an account from a new device or changing a password. Uh, this stops uh, cyber criminals from doing this sort of thing that could harm you, uh, but means that you don't have to be checked every time 
If you're asked for second factor, every time you log in on your own device, you can look for an option such as remember my advice, uh, sorry, device, or remember this browser. So what do I do then if 2FA isn't available? Well, if 2FA isn't, isn't available, there's two things you can do. One, make sure that you have the strongest password uh, that you possibly can on that particular account. And you may even want to consider changing services to one that does offer 2FA. Anyway, that's 2FA. So if I can hand you over to Mark now, uh, and uh, he'll take you through um, his, his topic. Yeah, I like the bit about remember my advice. I can see that working, actually. That's a good hook there. Um, so I'm going to talk to you about the next really important thing, which is, which is training. Um, sounds really easy, doesn't it? But I'm going to give you a couple of statistics to kick you off. So first of all, um, something like 11% uh, of micro businesses trained their staff in the last year about being more cybersecurity aware. Not a made up figure, it's a government one from Ipsos Mori when they asked a whole bunch of businesses around the UK, did you train your staff? The overall figure was 14% when you look at the medium and larger businesses too. So most of you listening, the odds are you haven't told your people what to do. Um, maybe that's okay, because maybe the whole issue is about your settings and your firewalls and all those other complicated tech geeky things. Um, no, bad news is it's not. Um, a company called Verizon, an uh, international provider, looked at over 5,000 breaches in the last year. And out of those, 85% were down to people doing something wrong. 3% of them were about complicated system-driven issues that might confuse you, me, and everybody else in the room. But the vast majority of stuff was somebody doing or not doing something that they shouldn't. So training your staff will really make a huge difference in terms of the risk for your business. And that's why it's really, really important. I suppose the problem is knowing where do I start and how do I train my staff and what on and what are the right answers. So there's a whole bunch of queries there. The good news is there's some really easy training products out there that you can tick off for your staff. The first thing that I'm going to say is if knowing what to avoid clicking on is important to you, the Southwest Cyber Resilience Centre offers a monthly service that tells you exactly the kind of scams that are circulating at the moment and that you need to be looking out for. So sign up, get it, be safer. The second thing, um, the National Cyber Security Centre. You may or may not have heard of those. Disappointingly, something like 1% of businesses quote them by name as the go-to source for cybersecurity advice. They're the government's body that looks after small businesses and charities like yours. And they've got a whole host of guidance on their website, which helps you out. So if you were to search for something like NCSC top tips for staff, you'll be taken to a great 20 to 30 minute e-learning product that they produced probably about a year or so ago now. And you can use that standalone or you can actually incorporate it into your own company front end if you're a bit bigger and want to make it look corporate. Um, they also produced actually what I think is a better product in the last couple of months. And, and that was um, an NCSC piece. You'll find it on the same page, actually, which is focused at small businesses and charities. So if you if you Googled NCSC small business and charity e-learning or training, that, then it'll come up for you and you'll find the route into that. So for the sake of 20 or 30 minutes, even if you think that you're awesome and you've got these bases covered and you know your stuff, Ask yourself the question as to whether the rest of your staff do, the people that come in to help out on Saturday, the ones that are part-time volunteers. We've put all of our people through that training because we think it's really, really important. 
there's a, a host of other training stuff that you can do. So first of all, I might talk about some of those other NCSC products that are out there. If you're a board member, there's some great guidance on the kind of questions that you should be asking your IT providers. Um, there's also a whole bunch of stuff on how to develop a good resilience plan so that if the worst does happen, you're not just panicking and going into headless chicken mode, but you actually know how to sort things out in the best way possible. So loads of things there. And, and of course, we'll flag all those to you as part of our free membership. So you'll get the right hyperlinks. But you know what? If you don't want to do that, just jump onto the NCSC website, do some research, and you can find them for yourself. The difference is we won't then call you up to help you through the process if you're not a member. But there you go. You pay your money or not because it's free. And you take your choice. And the last kind of bits that I'd want to mention, um, there's actually quite a bit of face-to-face -face training available to people. So we've got some regional policing teams and they'll offer training free of charge from executive level through to IT teams and, and then just general people in the organisation to give you a clue as to what to look out for and how to get safer. And we can refer people across to those events. You've also got a number of officers locally that will actually come out to your business if they have the capacity and speak to you and your teams about the generalities of cyber training and being safe but the last thing that i mentioned is that we do have interestingly a student team affiliated with us they're ethical hackers really expert at what they do from across the region they understand how to break systems get into them and do all sorts of it weird and wonderful things um, and we can get them to design some training for you, which speaks specifically about your business area and your sector so that you're covered and, and, and really understand what the risks might be that are relevant for you as of now. So if that's of interest, give a ring and we can talk that through with you. The last thing I want to say, Ross, forgive me, because I think you gave me five minutes and always go on. Uh, but the last thing I want to say, because it's really, really important, is don't blame your staff if they get it wrong. Um, because what happens if you do? Well, the first thing is they just feel a little bit rotten. And if they get it wrong, it's really interesting, isn't it? A business, a business has calamity one, that they've been breached. And calamity two is that the person who's been breached then leaves the organisation because they feel really, really bad about it or can't show their face. And, and then you've actually lost a really important staff member as well as being breached. So things are doubly bad. And more importantly, I guess, is just the culture for everybody that you create. If I inadvertently click on something because I'm just human, it's really important that I tell somebody quickly. And if I think I'm going to be blamed or disciplined, I'm not going to do that. And what that means is that somebody is inside your network, undetected and hidden potentially for quite a while gathering information. So when things go wrong, don't blame people. Thank them for bringing it to your attention. That's really, really important. And Ross, that's all I had to say on training. That's two out of three top tips. So let's end on a high. Back over to you. Thanks, Mark. Really valuable advice. Um, so the last thing then we want to cover the, on this particular podcast is keeping devices and software up to date. Um, so, again, we have to ask ourselves, why do we keep our devices up to date? Well, device manufacturers and app developers will usually release software updates regularly until they decide that their product is unsupported. These update, updates will often contain new features, fixes for bugs and performance improvements. They will often, often also contain security patches and new security features, both of which is important to install. 
Patches matter because they fix known flaws in products that attackers can use to compromise your devices. New security features make it harder for attackers to successfully compromise your devices because obviously they're acting on, thing, on threats that are already known. Attackers who succeed in compromising your devices could potentially steal data, encrypt your files, or prevent your device from working at all. Many devices and apps can install updates automatically, but sometimes they'll need a little bit of help from the device user, you. So you'll need to keep an eye on updates in case they stop working. Okay, preparation for installing update, updates. What do you actually have to do? Well, there are a number of things which everyone should keep in mind when updating their devices. Uh, and, and what do you need to keep up to date? Well, you should make sure you have ways of keeping each of the following important types of software up to date. So firstly, then the operating system. Most operating systems support automatic updates, but will need the feature to be enabled. And it's normally enabled by default, but could have been turned off. So always worth checking that. So web browser and extensions. Web browsers are particularly vulnerable uh, as they will very complex pieces of software and the sites you visit could potentially exploit flaws in them. Uh, Third-party apps, especially office apps, uh, these are things that you install yourself and they will need to be kept up to date. Some apps will update themselves and some will update through your device's app store, but some might need you to install updates yourself. So again, keep an eye on these things or perhaps even limit the amount of apps that other uh, people who work for you can download. Antivirus, so if you use antivirus, and clearly, quite clearly you should, you'll want to ensure that these are updated regularly. Like any software, antivirus updates include bug fixes and new features, um, but also include new signatures, which can be used to detect new malware that's recently been detected by the antivirus companies. Okay then, device support. Devices, operating systems and apps are generally supported for a relatively limited period of time before they consider, they're considered obsolete and they're no longer updated. And obviously when you no longer get the updates, you no longer get the protection um, that you would do from those updates. It can be difficult to find out exactly when a product will go out of support. Nonetheless, for each device you use, you should try and ensure that all the important software on those devices is still supported by the developer or manufacturer. And that's, that's really vital stuff. You should replace unsupported software and devices as soon as you are able. Automatic updates. Most devices will now have an automatic updates turned on by default. However, things can go wrong with updates. For example, users might have disabled the automatic update uh, option on the device. Uh, and automatic, automatic updates might only occur if the device is connected to Wi-Fi power or powered up on a specific time or day, for instance. Some updates might require the device to be manually restarted. And if a device hasn't been restarted in a while, then the update might not be installed. So that's an important one to run a program of um, opening machines and devices. Okay, then, uh, lastly, additional considerations. Users can often defer or decline updates. Uh, you might want to look at how you can check compliance if your organization permits bring your own device. You may not be able to force users to update their software, either because you don't have permission or because their device is no longer supported. If this is the case, you might want to consider taking steps to, to restrict access from out-of-date devices. And obviously that's particularly relevant if um, people are working on their own devices at home, which clearly in the current climate, uh, a lot of people still are. 
Anyway, hopefully you found that useful. That was um, three uh, quick uh, um, ways of, of staying safer online. Uh, if you've got any questions, uh, you can go to the website, www.swcrc.co.uk. Um, you can sign up for free uh, core membership, um, whereby uh, I think Mark has already mentioned, uh, we give you a number of National Cyber Security Centre products, and you also get a, uh, a free monthly newsletter with all the latest threats, updates, uh, patches, uh, and um, uh, guidance to, to come out from the centre. Anyway, I hope you've enjoyed this. There will be more to come, and we look forward to your company uh, in the not-too-distant future. <laughs>